Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. All right, here's what I've got planned. What I figured I'd do is I just have a couple of things to start off here real quick, a couple of local issues. I have a great deal that I want to talk about in education because there's something that's taking place here, and it certainly has happened now in Michigan and is happening in Michigan, but it's now happening in Ohio. And it has to do with a complete restructuring of what we have always known to be the Department of Education. Now, it's always been corrupt, and we know that. It's always been a money laundering operation, child trafficking, abuse, the whole thing. But now what seems to be happening is they're leaving what people once referred to as the Department of Education in one, in one building, essentially. I mean, it's all going to be under one roof now. But they're leaving that particular name just for the paperwork. And again, I'll get into the specifics a little bit later, but they're essentially turning it into a communist Marxist Bolshevik curriculum agenda, which I know isn't much different than what they already do, except this time around, they seem to be doubling down with everything that they're doing. And again, they're just leaving the licensure and the discipline for licensure with what, again, we formally believe to be the Department of Education at the state level. And now they're bringing in this, this new section, which again, they're calling now the Department of Education and Workforce. I personally think that it can't get more Soviet than that. It certainly sounds like it. Uh, and at the exact same time, Underneath this particular roof is all of the curriculum and the programs and the standards and the outsourcing of their education, basically, and a number of other programs that I think that they have coming down the line here. But again, I'll get into that a little bit later. Here's the first thing I want to mention, and this was brought to my attention recently, and I certainly want to cover this as briefly as I can. I had no idea this existed. But it does, apparently, through the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, which, let's face it, it's a terrorist organization. And this is through the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, and it is titled Naturalization Through Military Service. It says, if you are serving or have served in the U.S. Armed Forces and are interested in becoming a U.S. citizen, you may be eligible to apply for naturalization under special provisions of the Immigration and Nationality Act. So I came across this, which is a Army National Guard of Ohio ad, and it says the following here. I assume this was from Facebook, if I'm not mistaken, but it says, I-551, permanent residents can expedite the citizenship process with the Ohio Army National Guard. And then they have an ad and the picture of the individual is what looks like a Pakistani or an Afghan wearing fatigues and a turban. And next to his face, it says, expedite your path to citizenship when you go guard. It says the following here. Um, it says, if you are an I-551 permanent resident, the Ohio Army National Guard can help you expedite your citizenship process. Waiving of fees associated with the immigration process, access to legal resources, saving hundreds of dollars on other immigration costs, opportunity for the parole in place program if needed, 
and then expedited timeline to citizenship. It says a citizenship process or the citizenship process can take up to five years for most people. Serving in the Ohio Army National Guard can significantly reduce your wait time. If you are seeking U.S. citizenship, we want to help you. Together we can serve our communities. Unquote. Ladies and gentlemen, we're being invaded. I mean, we're being invaded through our own military. This is temple rubbing insanity here. Um, I don't. I really don't know what to say. I'm so angry with things like this that uh, I'm not sure I can have a clear, coherent thought. But yeah, it's just beyond ridiculous. No wonder recruiting is low. I mean, the American citizen doesn't want to be a part of this, but now they're opening their doors to illegals, and any of them can walk into an army recruiting place. Of course, the army recruiter's probably going to love it because they've got all these Africans and Afghans and God knows who else showing up saying they they want to be in the army. And then, of course, they get fast-tracked to be a citizen, and then we're attacked from the inside. And of course, you know, how long has this been going on? I'm not entirely sure, but it's been going on long enough. I know that. And uh, we can't survive as a country as long as this continues to occur. So I don't know what else to say. It has to be done away with completely. Programs like that have to be eliminated. And speaking of programs that have to be eliminated, let me mention this. I received another email from our business insider, so to speak. And of course, in a previous episode, I read some of their emails where they were describing the regulations and all of the measures that they have to follow within their businesses, again, regarding how close one object is to another and how this is the giant plan in order to push these people out of their business and out of their work. And even, again, to have government essentially clamp down on them as hard as possible, find them, and then a number of other illegal measures and certainly ridiculous measures. But they sent me this email update here, and I want to read it to you because this is equally as outrageous. Just another example, again, of how they're trying to clamp down on these businesses and force people out and force out all of these business owners, so to speak. They said the following here. They said, quote, quick update. Remember, all of this is being done under the guise of Hawaii and Canada forest fires, quote unquote, even though I'm located in the middle of a city with no forest. They said a newer regulation was that our doors have to automatically close. God forbid you just pull the door shut. All businesses needed to buy and install those self-closing door arms. Since the last inspection, I had one of my guys dedicate his entire shift for three entire days to getting the fire inspection list done, so I was able to finish my list quickly and schedule the follow-up inspection to get the shit over with. By the way, in addition to the cost of buying self-charging emergency lights and all the other crap, Paying my employee for three days equals an additional $432. This is financially draining and accomplishes absolutely nothing in the big picture. They said when the inspector arrived this second time, he overlooked all the changes I was forced to make and added one more that were not provided in the last inspection. The new list, which I have until September 15th to complete, includes quicker closing doors, quote-unquote, 
because now it doesn't close fast enough. It needs to be sped up. He brought a stopwatch this time. To time doors, tax dollars hard at, hard at work here. And they said mine took five seconds for the current arm to close to the point of locking. This is no longer sufficient. The reason it needs to be faster is the quote-unquote the heavy fire load, they said. Apparently, the quickness of the door close is now related to fire load, which he explained means that this is the inside of the business, and what's inside of the business is the load. Businesses with a lot of stuff inside them, inventory, have a heavy load, whereas empty businesses, such as a doctor's office, have a light fire load. A five-second door close is fine for the office businesses, but not for the inventory-related businesses. They said the reason it is no longer acceptable is because, and they said I'm going to attempt to quote him based on my memory, where they said, quote, where there is a fire and you and your staff run out of business, that door has to quickly shut to keep the fire contained for the firefighters. And when it comes to fires, every second counts, unquote. He went on to explain, this is nuts, he went on to explain that it can spread, quote, one jewel per second. So those two seconds is two jewels, J-O-U-L-E-S. They then said, I have not the slightest clue what the F this means. They then said, I asked how exactly we're supposed to speed up the door. He suggested, quote, reviewing the manual that came with the door arm, as if anyone kept the door arm manual. They said his other advice was to purchase a newer model, or in your case, or in some cases, you can add weights. They said, yeah, okay. Um, they said, now somehow I have to figure out how to shave two seconds off the close time in the next two and a half weeks. I swear this feels like nothing more than harassment, and I have a gut feeling that on September 15th there will be more. We'll keep you posted. Unquote. Now, you may recall, again, in a previous episode, I was describing the entire backstory behind all of this with this business owner and how there's no doubt that it's politically motivated. They made a donation to Donald Trump, and then the government and the regulators started to come after them and censor them and a thousand other things. There's no doubt that this is political retribution. It's pretty clear. Yes, it certainly is harassment, and it's beyond awful. But this is just one business owner. That's the thing to keep, you know, to keep in mind, which is terrible. Again, the simple fact that an inspector would come back and not even pay any attention to anything that they had previously done that they were asked to do, and then all of a sudden looks at the door and says, well, now you have to do this, and then leaves. Yeah, it's beyond harassment. I think that's, I think that's pretty clear. So I hope they keep me updated. I hope they keep fighting back against this kind of crap because, again, they're not the only one. They can't be the only one. This has to be happening with numerous individuals, again, certainly individuals who maybe contributed to Donald Trump in the past or are continuing to do so. But these kinds of business regulations are absolutely ridiculous. Not to mention, of course, that entire procedure makes zero sense. Having a door that closes in less than five seconds because you want to contain the fire within your own building and make it easier for firefighters. That's uh, that's outrageous. A door will close automatically if it has to. So whether the fire is on the inside or the outside of the door is frankly irrelevant. 
It's got nothing to do with containing a fire. It seems like it has everything to do with destroying your inventory as quick as possible. But, I mean, I understand you don't want to fuel a fire by opening a window or opening a door. And I'm not a firefighter. I don't know these things, but uh, I, I don't know. It's just, it just makes no sense. And I'm not the business owner, so I can only imagine what it's like for them. But it has to be an absolute nightmare. Okay. Moving on to some education-related things, just very quickly, I'm going to make mention of this. Um, you've heard me bring up this phenomenon before, and I think this is another example. I'm speculating here, but I think it is. Uh, you know, you had this Asian man who allegedly shot a professor uh, the other day. I'm not even going to get into the story because I think the whole thing is fake. The individual apparently or allegedly has a minor and a bachelor's of science from Wuhan University, and then a master's in uh, material science from Louisiana State University. And again, Fox News called them a mostly white Asian male, which I thought was ridiculous. Again, I, I assume that was the real headline. It might not be. It might just have been a meme, but either way, it was, it, was, uh, it was rather funny. And they claimed, of course, that they found the person later, but they haven't found the weapon and the the name of the person hasn't been mentioned that they killed, and they haven't identified that person. I mean, the whole thing just sounds fake. But it begs the question, why? Why would they do this? Is this an algorithm shift kind of thing, where the feds basically fake arrest this person, uh, maybe for making threats online, but they're jumping to the conclusion that, oh, they actually killed somebody, and this is real? Well, if he graduated from Wuhan University, again, when you look up Wuhan now and you look up Wuhan University, you're going to find this guy. You're not going to find the other information that probably exists regarding Wuhan University and everything that they're doing there. Again, this is, in my opinion, this is a purposeful algorithm shift. They're taking a person's ability to search basic information on the internet, in particular for the sheep who still use Google as a search engine, but I'm sure when you type in Wuhan University, again, you're going to come across this guy's story. You're not going to come across all of the Anthony Fauci ties and the Grant ties and the jab ties and all of that stuff. So I don't know. It's not a coincidence. I think it's a giant on purpose, but that's my two cents. So I'm not going to get into the specifics any more than that. Just keep in mind again that the enemy always does this. They'll they'll prop up a particular issue that's surrounded by a certain set of keywords because they know that something is coming down the line or something is currently happening that's causing people to search for Wuhan. And there, again, more and more people are waking up as to what was going on over there and continues to go on allegedly. But uh, they're just trying to distract as many people as possible and, and basically throw them off the trail. Certainly from a very basic internet search standpoint anyway. And again, the people who continue to use Google, they'll just, I don't know, they'll look up that story or try to look up something related to Wuhan and they won't find it. They'll just find this mostly white Asian male. Rather strange. Anyway, okay, putting that aside here, let me get into this. And this is the meat of the episode. Um, the Ohio Department of Education on their website, and again, they're not the only ones doing this. And I've got a lot of questions as to why this is happening. And I, I really don't think that it is a, uh, I don't think this is a white hat controlled thing. I think this is the enemy again doubling down. 
they have a scheme here, they have a plan, and they're carrying it out as much as possible, and they're fast-tracking it, which is really terrible. Of course, this doesn't apply to anybody homeschooling, but this should show you that this is just another reason as to why everybody should, and you have to leave these systems now, because you cannot reform the kinds of moves that they're making here. These are they're they're passing bills at the state level that are forcing this down the line. And and this again passed. Uh so here's here's where I am. I'm on the Ohio Department of Education's website under the section titled Ed Connection. And here's what it says. I'm just gonna read through this uh and then I'm gonna get into a few other details and ask a bunch of questions. It says upcoming changes to the Ohio Department of Education, and this was dated the twenty fourth of July. It says House Bill 33 of the 135th General Assembly included several legislative changes impacting the Ohio Department of Education and the State Board of Education. During the first week in October, the Department of Education will be renamed the Department of Education and Workforce and will become a cabinet level agency reporting to the Governor of Ohio. Further, the legislation created a new agency the Department of Children and Youth, to provide services more efficiently to children and their families in the areas of prevention, early education, and support. Now, in my opinion, this is more government under the guise of making it look like it's less government. You would get your regular conservative in Ohio who voted for this at the at the House level, and they would say, "Well, this, this is less government, and we're regulating more of it, and we're taking back control." That's not what this is, not in my opinion. And I'm not looking for fault where there isn't any. I'm trying to be as objective as possible here. It seems to me, again, that that first description right there is problematic enough. Why would you be creating? Two separate organizations where the Department of Children and Youth, which is now a new department, is going to be focused on children, families in the areas of prevention, whatever that is, and early education and support because they want the child from cradle to grave. They want more control over pre K for the people that send their children to pre K, and they want them all the way through again the college level, and then well into their careers. That's what Michigan is doing. They're doing the exact same thing. They're trying to track these individuals from cradle to grave. You have to stay as far away from these tracking entities as possible. They're beyond technical. You heard me bring up the Raptor system in the past and the fingerprinting and the pictures and the IDs and all this other stuff, all this biometrics surveillance equipment. That's what this is, in my humble opinion. It continues here, and it continues to describe what's going on, uh, based, again, from their point of view. And it says, quote, The current powers and duties of the, state, of the State Board of Education will be divided between the State Board of Education and Department of Education and Workforce. So again, there's the State Board of Education, and then there's this Department of Education and Workforce, and then within that department now, there is the Department of Children and Youth. It continues, it says, but we want to assure you, the, member, the members of the State Board and Department staff remain committed to student success 
and will continue to be available to support students, families, educators, schools, and districts. Well, you've never been doing that, so keep lying to yourself. It says more detailed information about the transitions and timelines is available below. Here's what it says. It says State Board of Education. Here's what they're responsible for, allegedly. It says the State Board of Education will retain the following duties. They will hire State Superintendent of Public Instruction to serve as the Executive Officer of the State Board. They will adopt requirements for educator licensure. They will process and issue educator licenses. They will investigate and resolve educator misconduct complaints. They will evaluate background checks, evaluate eligibility for licensure, and participate in the Retained Applicant Fingerprint Database Program. They will determine school district territory transfer disputes. They will administer the teacher and school counselor evaluation systems. They will oversee the Ohio Teacher of the Year program and interface with, it says, and provide staff support to the Education Standards Board. It says the tentative process and timeline for hiring a permanent state superintendent of public instruction is posted on the State Board of Education's website. Again, basically the State Board of Education now is, is, uh, has been delegated to paperwork. So it, so it basically says here. Now we have the brand new Department of Education and Workforce. It says the following, quote, except for the duties and powers retained by the state board, the, the Department of Education and Workforce will be responsible for primary, secondary, special, and career technical education in Ohio. The Department of Education and Workforce will be led by a director who is appointed by the governor with the advice and consent of the Senate. So again, this is a cabinet position. It's a different position for a different department now. It's not less government, it's way more. It says the Department of Education and Workforce will consist of the Division of Primary and Secondary Education and Division of Career Technical Education. The director will oversee the Department of Education and Workforce and appoint deputy directors to lead the two divisions with the advice and consent of the Senate. It says the restructuring of the department is a great opportunity to expand, see, getting bigger, big government, its focus on student success by prioritizing workforce readiness while still advancing its Future Forward Ohio initiatives to help students recover from the impact of, yes, that's right, the COVID-19 pandemic. Now again, before before I get into the pandemic crap, you may recall a long time ago on this show when I had Vanessa Hurst on from Kentucky, this is what Kentucky is also doing. And she had a big problem with this. She herself again said, look, I'm not against these technical schools. That's not, that's not a problem. I have a, she said, openly said she has a problem with forcing this down the throats of children at a very young age, when, when maybe that's not what they want to do. But what, what, it, what it, again, is designed to do is, is get the child to basically decide what they want to do as an adult, as a child, and then send them down a particular conveyor belt of education 
or indoctrination that they really can't wiggle out of, that they just end up staying on that conveyor belt from pre-K all the way through, again, either technical school or college, and then right into the workforce, so to speak. So I don't trust government. That should go without saying. And I don't trust more government, let alone more departments and, and things of this nature. Again, the irony, too, that they would blame their own action, which they're not accepting any responsibility, and you've heard me go down that wavelength of thought as to what that's going to lead to, but they haven't accepted any responsibility for the fact that they were directly involved in the abuse of children and the closing of schools and all of that. They took the bait. They all did it in the state of Ohio. Ohio was on sheer lockdown. Every school was closed, colleges, universities, the whole thing. And they're blaming any lost learning on this invisible thing that doesn't exist. They're refusing to admit that it was a decision made by human beings and that that is the real problem, is human beings and their inability to think and know who their enemy is. So now they're swooping in to play the hero role. I'm not buying it. I don't buy this. That, of course, leads to the Department of Children and Youth, which I'll get to in a second, because what they're already planning is beyond awful and beyond hypocritical as well. But first, before that, it has here transition planning and timelines. It says the State Board of Education and Department of Education leadership are in the process of developing a comprehensive transition plan to prepare for a seamless transfer of staff, assets, equipment, data, and materials. Most of the transition will occur by the first week in October. However, the legislation provides the State Board of Department of Education and Workforce an additional 90 days to complete the transfer of powers. State Board members and leadership of the Department of Education and Workforce will work together during these additional 90 days to implement any remaining portions of the transition plan. That's, that's uh, in my opinion, that's code word for during that 90 days we'll sneak in whoever and whatever we want under the guise of, well, we're still building up our, our department and our program and we need these things. This is where money gets exchanged. This is where the corruption continues to exist. This is where all the gay agenda stuff comes down the line and they start hiring these kinds of degenerate people and the, you know it just blows up from there. It continues here and it says also, during this transition time, it's anticipated the director and deputy directors of the Department of Education and Workforce will be appointed and confirmed and a new superintendent of public instruction will be hired. So who is that going to be? Because these days, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not into the full gay agenda 100%, you're never going to be a superintendent of public instruction. And this is a new position. There used to just be the state superintendent. Now there's a superintendent of public instruction. We can assume that this person is probably going to have their genitals removed and their hair is going to be pink and they're going to be all about the gay books and equity and diversity and all that nonsense. You can count on it. Again, I, I don't... It, it, again, it, well, you've heard me say this. If it's a scale or a seesaw, and on one end, 
you have homeschooling, and on the other end, you have all of this bureaucratic bullshit. Which one makes the most sense? From a logic standpoint, which one carries the most weight and is the most logical? I, don't, I, I wouldn't want a child of mine to be anywhere near any of these environments while all of these changes are taking place. And this right here is why people are leaving the profession. It's one of many reasons, which now leads me to this. The Department of Children and Youth. This is their latest and newest department. The irony. It's just insane. It says, quote, The Department of Children and Youth was created on July 1st of this year, 2023. This new agency will transfer some duties, functions, programs, and staff related to children and youth from the Departments of Education and Workforce, Job and Family Services, Health, Developmental Disabilities, Medicaid, Mental Health and Addiction Services, and Development. (laughs) You've heard me, (laughs) this is ridiculous, you've heard me say these places are mental institutions. And now what they've just done is, is they've created a department to basically normalize the lack of mental health within all of these environments so that they can regulate all of it. Yes, it is the Hegelian dialect again. They're creating the problem, then they're creating what they perceive to be as the solution, which is more government, more control, more regulation. It says it is anticipated the programs and staff related to early learning and preschool special education currently within the Department of Education will be transferring to the Department of Children and Youth. I'm sorry, but this sounds like a drug-infested child trafficking indoctrination environment and department, frankly. It says a cross-agency transition team for the Department of Children and Youth is developing a detailed organizational plan to implement the transfer of identified duties by January 1st of 2025, with it likely that duties and staff from the different agencies will be transferred in phases. The Department of Children and Youth will be led by a director appointed by Governor DeWine. Well, that's not going to be good either. Because that means you've got to be in DeWine's back pocket. You can't be an ethical person and be side-by-side with the governor of of any state. You can't be. And again, when they say transfer in phases and and staff and different agencies will be transferred in phases, that means they're going to be getting rid of anybody who is perceived to be non-compliant And then they are going to fill these departments with people who are compliant, of like mind, all brainwashed. We can assume they're all jabbed, so this department isn't going to be around very long. And then it begs the question, how many illegals are they going to hire? How many work visas are they going to pass out for these individuals? Are they actual Ohio citizens? Are they American citizens? Were they born here, these employees of these departments? Now, here's where it gets even more nefarious, and this, too, is where this backs up on endless schools all throughout Ohio, and and frankly, it's all of them. As a result of this now being a law and all of these new departments and positions being made, 
It is state mandated now that every public school in Ohio deliver K through 12 child abuse training to not only the staff, but the students themselves. And I've received some emails from some individuals, again, who are embedded in these education systems and in these environments, and they've shown, I mean, they've directly shown me that that's exactly what's taking place, that all of the students are being told to watch these presentations, whether they be videos, PowerPoint presentations, whatever it is. Now, again, two angles with this. Number one, government is working their way in to the child abuse avenue, certainly the K-12 education avenue, and why would they be doing that? Well, they just want to brainwash everybody into believing that they weren't responsible for the abuse that they just carried out over the last three and a half years, when in fact, they were directly responsible. That was their fault. And now they're swooping in again to act like they weren't the abusers. You heard me say in the last episode, they're, they're getting punched in the face and then they're taking them out for a nice steak dinner afterwards and saying that they love them. But what it's also doing, and this is the second part, is in my opinion, they're continuing to drive a wedge between the child and the parent as government and as a governmental institution. That if you can do that, you can continue to trick the child into believing that they're being abused in the home by family members when they might actually not be. And you can do this a number of different ways. And I'm sure they bring this up in all their presentations, which hopefully I'll get a hold of one of those presentations shortly. But I, I'm almost certain that they'll do it through either curriculum, things that they're taught in the home, and then the government will say, well, you shouldn't be taught that. No child should be taught that. And if your families are teaching you these things, well, then that could be considered abuse. And it's all designed, again, to turn the child against the parent and turn the child against the family. And, of course, brainwash the child throughout the entire process. That's what all of this is. It's, we're way past Bolshevism. We're way past Marxism. Yes, that's part of it, and clearly the blueprint and the foundation is right there. But ultimately, it's torture. This is torture now. And they're torturing the individuals who work within these environments. See, one of the reasons that I left the business was because I quickly recognized that everything was changing on a constant basis and things were getting worse. No one was focusing on what worked and what has already been, been previously designed to work. That should tell anybody with any ounce of suspicion in their soul that something is afoot here. This is a problem. They are going all in. They've doubled down. Not only are all their chips on the blackjack table, but they're taking their shoes off, their belt off, their shirt off. They're putting it all, all on there. And they're saying, okay, hit me. Hit me. They are as reckless as reckless gets. Now, here's what I've done. I've bounced over here to the uh, boldbeginning.ohio.gov website. This is outrageous. It says the following here regarding the proposed Ohio Department of Children and Youth. 
here is what is being highlighted as the governor priorities and what this department claims that they're going to be doing. It says the following, and again, it's suspicious at face value and remarkably abusive. The irony again, too, (laughs) that the Department of Children and Youth is abusive. It says the Ohio Department of Children and Youth will, and they have six, five bullet points here. It says serve children earlier in their own homes to improve lifelong outcomes. I wonder if people are going to get a knock on the door from the old Ohio Department of Children and Youth. The next one says measure outcomes to ensure programs are producing results for children and families. They they can't measure their own results in a school building. What makes them think they're going to be able to do it as a department? The next bullet point here says reduce duplicative program regulations and requirements from across state government. Streamline applications and eligibility. Again, they want everybody under this umbrella here. Every, every child has an underlying health problem or mental health problem. That's what they're trying to convince people of. And then the last one says increasing overall administrative efficacy. Give me a break. It then says, the department will place children at the core of its mission to promote positive lifelong outcomes for all Ohio youth. Lifelong outcomes, so saith the state. Do you see what this is? This is full-blown government control of your child the moment they pop out of the womb. Right into the workforce. You have got to homeschool. I cannot say it enough. You've got to get them as far away from government as humanly possible. This is nuts. It says the programs under the direction of the new department are proposed to include, but not limited to, and the first category is prevention and early identification. This involves, not making this up, they write it down. Early intervention, it says, home visiting, Ohio Children's Trust Fund, and then infant vitality. I, I, I got nothing on that. It sounds horrible, whatever it is, but it's basically just a giant camera on your newborn baby all the way through their entire life. Again, in my opinion, This almost sounds like what they're going to be doing is coming door to door, potentially, if you're even homeschooling, and try to gather information on you as parents and the homeschooling child and ask you all kinds of questions and essentially down the line make it harder for you to be a homeschooling parent. Uh, The next one is for early education, it says, with five bullet points publicly funded childcare which means your tax dollars, early childhood education, preschool special education, licensing, and Dolly Parton Imagination Library of Ohio. I don't want Dolly Parton anywhere near a library. If you recall, it was Dolly Parton who called everybody cowards for not taking the COVID shots, which, by the way, she didn't take them. She was lying to everybody on television. There's no way that that old bag 
would be walking around with two or three shots in her body and still be alive. No chance. Uh, It continues, and there's a support section. Well, of course there is, because government always provides the best support, don't they? It says children's services, i.e. foster, adoptive, and kinship. Ohio Fatherhood Commission. The Ohio Family Children First Council. Healthy Beginnings at Home. These are all programs, apparently. You know, more programs, more committees, more employees, more government. Isn't it great? Early Childhood Mental Health Consultation. That's not going to be good. And Strong Families, Safe Communities. It says the department is proposed to be created as of July 1st of this year. And it says over the next several months, the directors of the respective agencies and their designees will develop a detailed plan to implement the transfer of duties and blah, 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 blah. It says a full transition of all programs to occur no later than January 1st of 2025. This is horrible. And I'll tell you, every single time I click on something on this website here, it gets worse. It gets way worse. Here's another section. It's titled Office of Children's Initiatives. It says the following, quote, Minutes after being sworn into office on January 14th, Governor DeWine created a, I'm sorry, his children's initiative to coordinate and align the state's children's programming, interesting word, programming, advance policy and innovation in children's programming from birth to kindergarten, and provide support services for all children and their families. And I read to you earlier what those were, which was home visiting, foster care reform, prevention education, wraparound supports, and quality child care. It's a government-controlled nightmare. It's, again, we're way past indoctrination here. We are in the biometric surveillance arena from birth all the way past graduation into the workforce to, again, continue to surveil you. It sounds like China. It sounds like a Chinese military operation. And then again, if you become a dissident voice against government and you attempt to scan your fingerprints so you can get your tater tots on Tater Tot Tuesday, you're not going to be able to get them because your fingerprint is going to be that of a dissident human being who has not gone along with the rules. And then the facial recognition nonsense, and so on and so on. It's not just Kentucky, Ohio, and Michigan doing this. This has to be a nationwide thing. Now let's ask a few questions. Let's ask, again, some more questions as to why we think this is happening. I'm going to test your recall here, but let's go back in time. During 2016, you may recall that Donald Trump gave a series of speeches, many of which were in Ohio right before Election Day of 2016 again. In one of those speeches, which I watched, and I watched all of them back then, I recall him saying that he wants, you know, he started off by saying, in my administration, we're going to. He said, I want to consolidate the Department of Transportation, the Department of Labor, and the Department of Education into one. 
I want all of those to be in one department, thereby getting rid of all of them and creating less government, so he said. I don't know if that's what's happening here. I don't feel like it is. I feel like what Ohio and Michigan and Kentucky have done is way worse. That this is, this is not less government, this is way more government. Way more committees, way more people. Now recently, Donald Trump has also said that he plans on getting rid of the Department of Education completely. He's openly come out and say, said that. And a couple of those nitwits on the stage also said the exact same thing. They all didn't say it, but a couple of them did. Again, you've heard me say I think they're lying. There's no way that they really want to do that. If Donald Trump seeks to do that, you've heard my entire take on what happens if you eliminate the Department of Education at the federal level. It causes the state to basically rein in complete control over what goes on in their state. Now, let's face it. States are not unique, by and large. They plagiarize and they love copying each other's work from state to state, which again means if they create new committees and new departments like what Ohio has done, Michigan has done, and Kentucky's done, they're taking plays out of each other's playbooks and they're trying to make them all generally look the same. They're not really interested in allowing for inquiry and the scientific method and real curriculum that tells the truth, certainly from a scientific and historic standpoint. They don't want that. They want to clamp down even more on the indoctrination programming program that they have in place already. They just want the ability to take it as far left and as far brainwashing, so to speak, as they possibly can. I personally think, again, that it's inevitable that this will also occur at the private and charter school level because, again, let's face it, those institutions are usually more brainwashed than the ones that are in the public realm. And those private and charter schools take lots of plays from the playbook from the public realm while claiming that they're not. We're not the public schools. We're way better than that. They always say that. But they don't understand, at least a lot of the people who attend, and certainly the parents who serve their children up to those environments, don't necessarily know that much of the pressure that occurs at the public school level regarding laws and and state mandates and XYZ, that always finds its way into the private and charter school realm. No doubt about it. Where it wouldn't have any say, of course, is in the homeschooling environment. Not yet, anyway. But you heard me say this a long, long time ago, that this is government's ultimate goal. Their ultimate goal is to regulate homeschooling to the point where they get to decide as a state what your child is learning in the home. And they're outlining it right here in these departments, in my personal opinion. So again, regarding the Department of Education at the federal level, if they got rid of it, it's going to force the state's hand. And the state, as we know, is not going to do what's ethically sound or morally sound. They're just going to make more government within the state level while basically butting out the federal aspect of the entire thing. So the state wants more control. There's no doubt about it. They've always wanted more control. And all they're doing now is, again, creating more committees, more positions, and more people to get done what they want to get done, which is not good for any child. And as they say, from birth through kindergarten, which of course means through their entire schooling, 
and then well into either college or the workforce. They, of course, again, I don't think that's necessarily a question. I, I think that that is, that's just what's happening. That's just what's going to happen. But the, the child abuse training for K to 12, the K through 12, is beyond ironic. These are the environments that have abused endless children over the last three and a half years. And let's face it, they've been doing it since their inception, but certainly over the last three and a half years in the public view. And now they're swooping in to claim that they are the ones who can teach everybody about child abuse. All that's going to do is open the door for more government intervention in the home, continue to drive the wedge between the child and the parent, sick the child against the parent, and vice versa. And then the parent is going to be on the losing end of that stick because government is going to take control of the kid, take the kid out. That brings in, of course, CPS, which brings about child trafficking and scene. And then we're done. This is the, this is the slippery slope. It's right here. If, if it, I'll just put it this way. If it says government, you need to get away from it. If it has any ties to government whatsoever, you have got to run away. You have to. They even, again, they're telling you on their own websites. They're telling you what they want to do. They want to surveil your child in the state of Ohio, Michigan, Kentucky, and as we know, everywhere else, from birth all the way through them being an illegal adult in the workforce. That's China. That's communism, Marxism, Bolshevism, the whole thing. It's all of those isms for the most part. It's just terrible, absolutely terrible. So whatever state you're living in, if I was you, just out of curiosity, bounce over to your State Department of Education's website and check it out. If any of the words are similar than the ones that I just brought up here, well, your Department of Education is probably moving toward this very thing. And like I said, let's face it, these aren't the only three states that are doing this. This is happening across the board, across the nation. And it could be also, again, that they smell the Federal Department of Education collapsing, that they can see this as being a thing that is going to happen in the future, and that they themselves, being the Hegelian dialect practitioners that they are, they would even go so far as individual states to criticize the Federal Department of Education and then attempt to play the hero at the state level and say, well, yes, the Department of Education at the federal level is unnecessary because here at the state level, we can handle everything. We can, we can do a better job at a more local level, and that's, that's small government, and that's the American way. That's how they'll sell it to people. The question is, is are you going to buy it? Because I don't buy it. It's beyond corrupt. It's beyond disgusting. And these people make me sick. So there you go. Okay. How about some jab-related things? It's not looking good, as we all know. Uh, this is from, let's see, economictimes.com just the other day. Titled, Is U.S. Getting New COVID Vaccine? Here's President Joe Biden's bold plan for mandatory immunization. It says United States President Biden 
has introduced a proactive strategy aimed at securing additional funding from Congress to support the development of a groundbreaking COVID-19 vaccine. So what happened with the other ones? Do the other ones not work? Weird. There's also this. This is from the Daily Mail. Uh, Dad Jeremy Tillman, 45 years old, leaves fiance and 11 children devastated after collapsing and dying at Arkansas State University while helping son move in. The father of five had just become engaged to a mom of six and was deeply loved by all the children, but he died suddenly while helping son start his new life at college. Interesting. Suffered a very sudden medical event. What could it possibly have been? Now, let me mention this too. I may have said this in a previous episode, but I have a feeling that something like this is about to occur, certainly within the school realm. And as I brought up previously, again, based on AJ's text to me when he was talking with a, with a Walmart manager, is that while the masks themselves might be coming back and come down the line here in the future, the question is going to be, are the school boards themselves going to force it or not? And enforce it, I should say. Are they really going to go back to what they did in 2020 and 2021 and right into the beginning of 2022 with suspending students and again, just making them quote unquote mandatory to be worn or again, or else you get suspended kind of thing. Uh, that's going to that's gonna be really interesting to see here in the future. I think in order to avoid any pushback and in an effort to avoid a mass exodus from their environments, they're more likely to just say they're optional and that we highly recommend them, but we aren't mandating them. That might occur in the future. Again, time will tell. But the reason I mention that is because I can't believe that I actually have to repeat this because, again, here we are in the Twilight Zone and it's Groundhog Day all over again. But endless people are now starting to rehash and republish articles about the dangers of mask wearing. And this is, again, a thing once more. Uh, if you're interested, again, on my website, AmericanEducationFM.com, I believe it's under the Medical Documents tab. There are PDFs there that have endless lists of mask-related articles that all prove that they are, of course, harmful. Oxygen deprivation, the chemicals that the masks are, are, are created with, essentially, the graphene oxide that's in the masks, and so on and so forth. It's also been shown that the chemicals that they use to create the masks are made with formaldehyde and certain aspects of even cyanide. This, of course, is not a good thing should go without saying. But if you want that documentation at the ready, just in case, to bombard people with emails, then go ahead and download those documents. They're all free. They're all PDFs, and they are all available on my website. Okay. So with that said, this is from beckernews.com. It says, N95 grade masks exposed for dangerous levels of toxic compounds linked to seizures and cancer. Yeah, it's always been the case. That's why on the side of the box, it says, do not wear for an extended period of time, not a medical device. It says the N95 surgical mask has long been considered the gold standard for protection against COVID-19. 
However, this particular study posted by the National Institute of Health indicates that wearing these medical-grade masks could expose users to dangerous levels of toxic, volatile organic compounds, or TVOCs. It says South Korean researchers from Yonbuk, if I'm saying that right, probably not, National University examined various types of disposable medical-grade masks, including several reusable cotton masks. They discovered that the chemicals emitted by these masks exceeded recommended safety levels for TVOCs by eightfold. Breathing in TVOCs can cause headaches and nausea, and long-term exposure has been associated with organ damage and even cancer. And it goes on and on and on. Now, we know this. We don't need more studies to, to prove this. Again, Endless studies already exist on that document on my website. You can go check that out and download it for free. The bigger problem is that people are apparently having a very difficult time figuring out that they've injected themselves with something that was supposed to stop them from getting it. So injections don't work, but your mask will work. That's what they want people to believe. Again, If individuals don't understand this is a psychological operation designed to demoralize and kill people, I don't know what to tell you. You're probably triple jabbed and you're not going to make it. You probably wore the mask and that was your fault. And if you do it again, well, it's really your fault. So the shots you took again, this, this illness that's invisible with all these variants that are deadly, so they say, all invisible fairy tale nonsense. All of that is so smart that three, four, five, six rounds of a COVID jab can't stop it and actually make it worse, according to the CDC, but a mask will stop it or a mask will reduce the possibilities of transmission. Only the brain dead believe this. Only they believe this. There's also this, and again, not new, but it's a nice summary. This is from thepeoplesvoice.tv. Big Pharma Insider testifies COVID jabs are military bioweapons developed by the Department of Defense. Now, if you listen to this show, you know that to be true. You've done your own digging before that. You know it to be true. And you've heard this individual's name before, I'm sure, Sasha Latipova. Again, this isn't new, but I'm just going to read through a couple of things here because, well, you might, you, might, uh, you might guess that old Bobby Malone has something to do with this. The COVID-19 vaccines were secretly developed by the U.S. Department of Defense, DOD, and handed over to major big pharma companies to distribute to the public, according to a big pharma insider who has testified that the pharmaceutical industry's main role in the pandemic, quote-unquote, has been to provide cover for a massive bioterrorism program. According to Sasha Latipova, a former pharmaceutical research and development executive, she personally witnessed that the strong safety surveillance signals of the new COVID-19 vaccine being registered in the U.S. Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, VAERS, were not triggered, I'm sorry, were not triggering, rather, the automatic stop and recall mechanism that the relevant regulatory bodies were showing no concern. It says the light reports, to illustrate her point, she explains that in January of 2021, an unusual number of allergic reactions were flagged up in California following the administration of the Moderna product. 
In any normal safety surveillance system, lots of tracked, lots rather, are tracked by their numbers. And if a clustering of problems or deaths occurs within certain batches, these are immediately recalled for analysis. This is an automatic, this is automatic rather, and is done by the manufacturers in the same way as for car parts or food products. Instead, in this instance, the lots in question were simply distributed more widely, causing 65 deaths and 3,000 serious adverse events. Latipova explains that once a safety signal is flagged up and no recall action is forthcoming, law enforcement is normally triggered and prosecution for those responsible follows. She emphasizes, however, that they are not dealing with a straightforward pharmaceutical corruption. The, fr the fraud, rather, which confronts us all, is all-encompassing because it is the center of government through the Department of Defense with the complicity of the pharmaceutical industry. And who worked for the Department of Defense? And who has friends in the three-letter agencies? Yes, Robert Malone. I'll tell you what, he's doing a really good job running his mouth these days, isn't he? He really is. He's, he's going on interviews. He's, 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 uh, he's talking a little faster these days trying to make it sound like he had nothing to do with this and, you know, it's not his fault. But look, whether he was directly involved or not, if you play with poisons for a living, you're responsible. In fact, let me play this little piece of audio here. Here's three minutes of Robert Malone talking. Just give a listen to his tone and what he says here. What happened was that we had a breach of security in our intelligence community. Our eyes got eliminated. And I, I used to speculate about this, but I've now heard internal confirmation that what happened was that there was a quid pro quo set up basically out of desperation. And we transferred technology into Wuhan Institute of Virology and the quid pro quo was to allow a limited number of human assets to have visibility about what was going on there. Okay. okay? So the, the logic is we're in, a, we're in a bad situation. We know that these guys are doing stuff. We want to know what they're doing because we want to be in a position we can develop countermeasures for that. And so we want to do anything we can to get intelligence. And we've now lost all of our eyes. What are we going to do? Okay. Well, um, we strike a deal. The deal appears to have been that there was technology transfer associated with Ralph Barrick and that whole program involving a modern, advanced recombinant virology and recombinant DNA technology and, uh, and known research having to do specifically with uh, coronaviruses. Because if you go back in the literature, coronaviruses have been identified as one of the leading candidate agents for biowarfare for a very long time. So we knew that China was doing stuff, didn't know what they were doing. We wanted to have eyes, and we engaged in a quid pro quo that involved both funding transfer and technology transfer, and Tony Fauci knew all about it, as so, did so USAID. So we give them a bunch of technology. We give them tech and money. And money. They develop all this, but then what? And then we're supposed to be able to see the results. Right. Okay, and so how does it play out? Uh, it plays out 
that it, it appears. So this is speculation. This is the chain of events as I see it. Okay, right. there was technology transferred from EcoHealth Alliance and Ralph Barrick having to do with this furin cleavage site, the specific mutations, the engineering of the virus, and potentially passaging in a humanized mouse strain, etc. That gave rise to a cluster of coronaviruses that were kept banked. Um, and by the way, they have a massive bank of other coronaviruses that, that is there and untapped. We don't even know what the contents are that they've been collecting in China for years and years and years. But they came up with a, a portfolio of recombinant viruses, and they were testing those recombinant viruses. So they were, they were doing something. Somebody got infected. And the current timeline suggests that this happened in November, and the CCP came in and basically cleaned out the records and threw away the samples and did everything they could to make it so that you could never trace what had happened. So just in summary, it's quite a yarn he's spinning, I think. But even so, he's trying to get people to believe that while the Department of Defense and these other three-letter agencies have been funding What's been going on, not just in Wuhan, of course, but China, Ukraine, and all these other bioweapons labs, including the ones that exist here in the United States, that all of those agencies just all of the sudden stopped paying attention and were, were withheld from being able to see what was happening in Wuhan, China, so he says. And he expects people to believe this. You have to understand, too, again, he thinks viruses are real. They are not. There's only poison. He calls them coronaviruses. No, it's just poison. They're developing poisons. He was playing with poisons, being the medical doctor and scientist, but most importantly, a father and a grandfather and a husband. Again, he's, try he's trying now consistently to humanize himself and make it sound like he and other people were kept in the dark or that our government was kept in the dark. He's a government tool. He's still, he's still playing that game. If he ever came out and said viruses aren't real, they don't exist, which means any shot that anybody takes for a fake virus, you're really just injecting yourself with bio-warfare. If he were to say that, he'd disappear in the blink of an eye. But he can't say that, which means if he's not telling the truth and he's spinning these yarns, well, he's not, he's not a friend of mine, never has been. But either way, there you go. Let me, let me end with this. It's not an uplifting end necessarily, but uh, I wanted to read this just to another example of the jabs and the damage that they are doing. It says the following. This is on uh, one of the Chan boards. It says, quote, I had a massive argument with my dad over the vaccines. He banned me from his house, so I never let him see the grandkids for 18 months. Since having all his jabs, he has developed serious blood clots and has swelling and skin peeling away from his feet. My mother also has been, con has been constantly unwell, it says. They reported issues the minute they had the first jab, yet continued to ignore my pleas to stop and had all their boosters. Worse still is they forced my younger siblings to have them if they wanted to stay living in the house. I offered my brother sanctuary at my house, much to my wife's chagrin, 
but he declined the offer and caved caved in to my father's demands. In the last two years, all of them have started to look a lot worse. It's taken this long for my dad to come around a bit. He's still very much in denial over the vaccines, but I think the seed of doubt has started to take root, unquote. This, again, is the jab spectrum. You've heard me speak about this with regularity. This right here is just another notch in the jab spectrum as to what individuals are experiencing, certainly from a familial standpoint, and what's going on with other family members and them witnessing all of these different things occurring with them mentally, physically, emotionally, and all of it. I'll basically end with this. I find it I, I will, I'll say this. I, I agree with this particular take, and I watched this video the other day of a woman, and she was describing essentially the Great Reset and how we have to go through it. We have to see this to essentially, for no other reason, make sure that it never happens again. But if lockdowns come, then understand it's not for us. This is, this is to help wake up the sheep. And again, these very evil plans have to be carried out to their absolute end so that everybody can experience it and see how ridiculous it is. Yes, this entire thing is swooping up endless people and wiping out endless people, but it's not for us. It's, we know what's going on. We can see what's taking place. We can see what's happening. And we again, it's beyond noncompliance. That should go without saying. And of course, we have endless rights and everything that's come down the line here over the last three and a half years, endless laws have been broken. But we've seen how the judicial system, if they buy into the lie, then they're not going to enforce anything. Which, again, I think truly means that every aspect of the Great Reset has to be visually obvious to everyone, to some extent. Maybe not the 4 to 6% that are allegedly lost forever, but certainly to the rest of us so that we can ultimately understand that this is not the path forward. Again, just to review, look at what, again, is occurring at the state level regarding their departments of education and the biometric systems that they all have in place to surveil your child from birth all the way to, to and through being an adult in the workforce. That's part of it. That's part of the Great Reset. So... Continue to basically put these different things that we're seeing in that great reset box. And then eventually the time has to come where we just burn it. And hopefully it never rears its ugly head ever again, assuming that, of course, we make it out of all of this. But uh, yeah, not sure how to end, not sure, not sure what else to say. Just keep an eye out and keep paying attention to these kinds of things. And again, if it says government, run away. And again, I would encourage people to teach their children the exact same thing. Teach your children that if it has anything to do with government intervention or government control, just run away. Run away. In fact, I'll tell you what, I will end on a positive note, and here it is right here. I played this audio on a previous war video, but I'm going to play it right now because it too, I think, provides an excellent example of ascension. And the fact that those of us who are awake, who know what's going on and have known for quite some time, of course, have ascended to a separate wavelength of thought and a separate dimension. This is a woman in her car filming on TikTok on her cell phone, and she's describing essentially the symptoms of, uh, of ascension. 
And the question to ask yourself is, is this accurate pertaining to your life? And have you experienced these things as well? Because I, of course, know that I have endless things that I used to do back in the day I no longer do, countless things. And then when you drop those things, well, you look for better, healthier things to do, and then you end up going in that direction as well. The same thing is true with, of course, constantly learning and using leisure time as a way to consistently learn. This is part of the ascension process as well, but there's also a sort of mental and emotional component with it, to say the least, that is associated with ascending to a separate dimension of thought. So I will leave you with this audio, ladies and gentlemen. I will catch you on Friday. Give this a listen. Take care. I'm in a video game and I have already passed the highest level I can and now I'm in a holding pattern waiting for the next game to start. My food doesn't taste the same. I don't even like the same food anymore. The only food I want to eat is basic fruits and veggies, a tiny bit of meat, not even really a lot. I don't want to eat processed food. I just want to drink water. I feel like I wake up in the morning, I live through my day kind of as an automaton waiting for the next big thing to happen, but not knowing what that big thing is. And even when big things happen here, I don't feel like it's real and I don't have the requisite emotions that I should have around it. It's almost like I feel like something is waiting in the wings and I don't know what it is, but I'm in a holding pattern until it comes forward. Things that I like to do in my past <laughs> Up to this point, like shopping and baking and going out with my friends and traveling. I always had a trip planned. I don't really enjoy that stuff as much anymore. Like it puts me in a peaceful state. I'm not as anxious, but it's not something that I look forward to and get excited about. I feel like I don't get excited about anything anymore. I just go through the motions. I don't have any trips planned. The last trip I went on, I went to Denver and the whole time I felt like I had jumped timelines and was in some weird ass dimension. It was so odd. I didn't feel present in my body. I just wanted to go home. And that's another thing. Anytime I leave my house now, if I get ready and I go out with one of my girlfriends who I haven't seen in a while, I instantly just want to go back home. Like I can only tolerate being outside for very long before I just want to race back into my house and get comfortable in my bed and do the things that bring me peace, which are taking baths, reading, journaling, resting. I don't watch TV anymore. I can't remember the last time I turned my TV on or watched a show. Also, I can't go to bars anymore. I can't go to places where people are numbing. I, I went to a bar on Friday night. I stayed there for five minutes and I felt like my soul was crawling out of my body. Like it was trying to get out of there as fast as possible. I literally bounced and left my friends there and went home at 10 o'clock. And then I laid in the bath for 20 minutes and listened to a meditation and fell asleep by 1030. Like, what are we doing? I'm so confused. Everything seems weird. When I look outside or I look at nature, like it grounds me. But at the same time, I feel like I'm looking at a video game simulation. It's extremely disorienting. I feel like I'm in an accelerated school for inner shadow, inner child work. Like all of these old things from my past have been coming up lately 
in excruciating intensity and it's like I'm being forced to face them and I'm being forced to finally heal them so that I can move to some next level but I don't know what that next level entails or what it even is and I'm not depressed I don't feel like I'm in a state of depression I feel like I'm in a holding pattern. Like that's literally the only way that I can explain it. And I have hopes and dreams for my future. I have amazing things that are downloading that I'm working on, projects I'm working on and things, while also being a total hermit and feeling utterly confused. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.